Uh, and we talked a little bit about this on Thursday, but it got buried in the news. And it's a big story because it fundamentally changes everything about our justice system. And it's never a good idea to make decisions based on emotion. And yet that is what the liberals are doing in making their sweeping changes to the justice system. And and criminal lawyers are up in arms right across the country, and rightfully so. Because while the changes are explained away as speeding up the system, on the surface it will sound good. But when you dig deeper, the changes actually, I think, hurt an accused person's right to fairness. And it's all being done because of one case, and that is the decision in the Colton Bushy case. And lawyers right across the country say this is a disastrous move that will take the system back in time. John Struthers is a criminal defense lawyer here in Toronto, and he joins me now with his concerns. John, you say that this particular overhaul of our justice system will set us back two to three hundred years. Why? Why? Well, it's, there's three things in these uh, bills uh, that are really unfortunate and we think are going to be retrograde. And there's three things that aren't in these bills that we think they really needed to do, and a couple of them were campaign promises. The first one is peremptory challenges. All of these uh, changes are the result of three cases, really, and it's a knee-jerk reaction to these cases. A fellow named Stanley was acquitted, of course, in the Bushy verdict, and it was a probable wrongful acquittal, if you will. But, of course, there hasn't been much concern about the number of juries that have been all white in the city of Toronto judging black people for years. And the peremptory challenges are, in fact, used very often by defense lawyers to make the juries more racially diverse. You know, you've watched, Alex, I know, for mm-hmm. years, the jury selection process in Toronto. And it's almost as if these people have never picked a jury or seen it done. You know, we have 12 peremptory challenges. So, do the, so does the Crown Attorney in these cases. And what happens often is you'll see someone five people down in the row that you think you'd like to have on the jury because they'd be representative. And so you use your challenges to get to that person. You know, the challenges are used in many ways to make the juries more diverse yeah. and, and not the opposite. And so this is actually going to set things back. It's not going to help things at all. The next thing that they've done is eliminate preliminary hearings. Now, preliminary hearings are only used in 3% of the cases, and as you know, many of them are murder cases. They result in people assessing their cases, understanding how good or bad their witnesses are, how good or bad their case is, and they often result in negotiated plea agreements. These cases are often very, very, the most serious cases, and so you don't just, you know, if you will, walk into a negotiation without knowing what you've got. And until you hear what witnesses actually have to say, how they say it, and how they are challenged, we have a, an adversarial system. So, you know, the questions that are not asked by the Crown Attorney are often asked by the defense. They then get to understand what kind of a case they really have. And then on a much more realistic basis, the cases can be resolved or negotiated for a settlement. The third thing they put in here, and it maybe was an effort, <laughs> I don't know, maybe they thought we wouldn't notice. Right. But in Section 278 of the new bill, they've actually said that what they describe as routine police evidence can go in by affidavit. That is, that's not being challenged by the defense at all. And a judge could say, well, tough luck, you don't get to ask questions. And this includes all interactions with the accused person. Now, it doesn't take much to watch videos these days to say that the interactions with the accused person can often be very controversial, and to say that the defense doesn't have a chance to question that is absurd. So we had the the Stanley verdict. They've eliminated peremptory challenges. We had the Gomeshi verdict, and then the uh, appending legislation, the 278.3, 
they say, well, if you have somebody who you can catch lying with all sorts of great information about them and text messages and that sort of thing that they've given earlier, you have to disclose those in advance. Uh, you know, there was outrage over the Gomeshi acquittal, and maybe quite rightly, but, you know, unfortunately, the cases that actually went to criminal court weren't the strongest cases. The right. strongest cases were probably people who chose not to go to criminal court. And the people that did accuse him in a court of law were caught lying, I mean, badly, through their teeth, repeatedly, mm -hmm. and in writing. And so now, uh, you know, the public outrage, I guess these days they call it the twitch fork reaction, don't they? People on Twitter and social media going crazy about this stuff. Gomeshi should never have been acquitted. Well, maybe he shouldn't have, but on the charges that were actually in court and with the evidence that was in court, he probably should have been. So, you know, the reaction, as they say often in these cases, hard cases make bad laws. So in order to, to fix the entire criminal law for every case in court, Pick the worst case you can find in the most unusual circumstances and try and adjust the entire criminal law to that case is going to make things worse. Right. And so that would be the emotion around a highly uh, charged case right. that no one really paid attention to when it was going on. Uh, and then a lot of the information that came out after the fact wasn't even correct. And I would I would challenge anybody if you weren't sitting in the case, you have no right to comment because you have no idea of the evidence and, and the totality of it. Not to mention it's very unfair to the to the jurors who've now been called racist and are now the reason for all of these sweeping changes. Well, that's right. And they're calling the defense lawyer racist, too, because what they're suggesting is that he eliminated the uh, the jurors that were indigenous from the jury uh, that was available for uh, the wrong reasons, as opposed to perhaps excessive sympathy or some other factor. You know, when you do a parts challenge, which is the general challenge to people's biases, you say whether they are biased, prejudiced, or show favor towards an accused person. So, you know, the, the suggestion is that everybody's racist, the jury and the defense lawyers in that case. And, you know, we don't hear that when uh, the Crown attorneys routinely eliminate black uh, potential jurors from the jury uh, selection process. One of the things that I was going to say to you, because, you know, the background of this is what's in the, who's in the jury pool. Well, remember, jury pools are only people who are on the voters' lists. And if people don't register to vote or aren't registered to vote because they're itinerant or they're at school or they're you know, homeless or whatever else they may be, they don't get on a voters' list. Or people who just aren't interested in voting don't bother to make sure they're on the voters' list. That's who the jury pool is. So if you have an unrepresentative jury pool, you're in worse shape to start with for sure. And, and I should point out, you and I discuss politics all the time. We disagree. We jostle. We, you know, you generally back this government. So even if you see the problems with it, because I'm hearing from all lawyers, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, that this is a huge mistake that is probably going to end up in the Supreme Court. To say we're on opposite sides of the political spectrum, I think, Alex, you know, we have a lot of fun with it because, you know, I respect you and your views very much, but we do disagree. But, you know, many of the commentators that I know that are quite conservative universally look at this and say, what are you doing? It's just a, a complete mishmash of nonsense. And there are three things that are not in this bill. You know, if you wanted to actually make things better for indigenous people and for racialized people, if you actually wanted to speed things up in the criminal justice system, there are three things, some of which they promised in the election, which are not here. The first is that they've left mandatory minimums in here, that none of yeah. those have changed at all. And that's what they ran on. 
That's what they ran on, universally saying jail is appropriate for every accused in every circumstance if this is the charge, and giving that kind of power to the Crown attorneys doesn't make for resolutions. They've even made it worse because they made the summary conviction offenses now up to two years. They've increased the jail availability for summary conviction offenses. And so, of course, many of the things that used to be robberies may end up in the, in lower courts. So they've dumped a lot of this work onto the provincial court, onto the Ontario Court of Justice, as it's now called. The other thing they haven't done, they haven't put back in the conditional sentences that they were touting, where in certain circumstances it's appropriate for people to be disciplined by being under house arrest as opposed to actually going to jail. That makes it much more easy to, to uh, negotiate a plea agreement and to get things out of court. Remember that 97% of all of these cases in court are resolved by way of a guilty plea. We're only talking about 3% of the cases. So if you're talking about defense lawyers now wanting to say no and not pleading guilty anymore right. and getting it up to 10 or 20%, the system will collapse. And the last thing, of course, and you know this is one of my favorite bugaboos, and we talk about this all the time, the drug war yeah. is insane. I mean, we're still and have, since this government was elected, arrested 50,000 people for simple possession of marijuana. Imagine. Yeah. Since the promise to get rid of this nonsense, they have, and you know, now they're trying to figure out which of their friends can make the most money off it, and it seems to be ridiculous. You see Mr. Fantino and others now in the drug business. You're now in a situation where 50,000 people have to be dealt with in criminal court. Right. It's, you know, and the other thing, of course, is that the, it's the wrong approach. The, the most serious problems that we have that end up in criminal court maybe don't belong there, and their drug addiction, their poverty, and, of course, there are uh, people who are, are marginalized from society and they're uh, unable to deal with things because they have mental health problems, too. So those three issues are in criminal court. And if we found a way to divert those out of the criminal justice system more effectively, addiction, poverty, and mental health, we would obviously save 50% of the problems anyway that are in the criminal justice system. I'm out of time. However, can you sum up what happens now? Do you just does this just go through, or do lawyers across this country stand up against? Well, it? and here's the problem: universally across the board, every form of uh, criminal lawyer, no matter how conservative or liberal they are, opposes this legislation. And there's going to be hearings, and hopefully they'll listen to us. Some of the uh, members of parliament have already reached out to me and and to others about our criticisms because they they read about them and they want to try and get it right. I hope. But the other thing is there's going to be charter challenges. And so there's going to be more litigation about this. The first time somebody yeah. says the police officer isn't going to testify, there's going to be you know, much litigation. And so it's not going to speed things up one bit. And we're going to fight it as best we can, and we're going to speak out. And I thank you very much for giving me the opportunity here to do that. I will do it often and uh, until it uh, makes sense, which could be forever. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> thank you very much, Alex. Nice to speak with you. John Struthers joining us, criminal defense lawyer, in Toronto, one of the best, by, by the way, he would be in my top five for the Rolodex.